Hello, and welcome to A Fresh Take, an Investment Week podcast where we speak to people from all walks of life about how they see the asset management sector. I'm Kathleen Gallagher, Features Editor at Investment Week. March 8th marks International Women's Day, and this year's theme is Break the Bias. In recent years, there's been more appreciation for the important role the asset management industry has to play in helping to forge women's equality. Last month, the FTSE Women Leaders Review highlighted the, quote, robust and collective action of investors and how it has been a, quote, significant contributor to progress. So what is the industry doing to help break down barriers and what more do they need to do? We brought together three women from the industry to discuss not just their engagement with external companies, but also the evolution of the industry itself when it comes to gender diversity and what they would like to see in the future. Today, we are joined by Juliette Schooling-Ladder, Research Director at Chelsea Financial Services, Stephanie Niven, Global Sustainable Equity Portfolio Manager at 91, and Noelle Cazales, Fixed Income Fund Manager at Rathbone Investment Management. Hello and welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, So just to kick off, why don't we go around and do a few introductions. Noelle, do you mind starting us off? Hi, everyone. I'm Noel Casalis. I'm a fund manager at Rathbones on the fixed income team and the fund manager on the Rathbones Ethical Bond Fund. Brilliant. And Stephanie? Hi, I'm Stephanie Niven. I'm portfolio manager responsible for the 91 Global Sustainable Equity Strategy. Perfect. And Juliet? Hi, I'm Juliet Schooling Latter. Um, I'm research director at Chelsea Financial Services. So I'm involved in selecting funds and helping to manage our own fund of funds. Great. Thanks, guys. So um, our podcast today is for International Women's Day. So we wanted to talk about all things, um, including how we the industry can help break down barriers for women and still some of the issues that women within the industry are having. Um, so to kick us off, Noelle, do you mind kind of explaining what you think the industry can do to break down barriers for women from an investing perspective? Yeah, sure. So I guess uh, when I think about investing, I think about finding companies that would succeed in the future. Um, And I guess, you know, to kind of do that, I start with a really wide lens, looking at themes that would shape the world, you know, things like climate change or things like geopolitical tensions, which sadly uh, are pretty topical at the moment, and then zoom in. And when you zoom in, there's so many different criteria that you can look at. And I think where we can play a role is really questioning companies on things like gender pay gap, proportion of women in senior roles, diversity policies, um, and also um, track how they progress against their uh, metrics that they set themselves. And I think, you know, all of that will contribute over time to break down barriers um, and hopefully set up diversity much higher up in management teams' agendas. Brilliant. Yeah, Stephanie, is that kind of similar from the equity side as well? Sure. I, I mean, I think Noel's right. We need to think much more broadly about what we're asking the companies we invest in to do. And I think to do that, we need to think long term. So, you know, we need to encourage clients and, you know, all the different stakeholders in this to think about, you know, what we're doing, what we're asking our companies to kind of undertake, if you like. And I think one of the things investors can do is start developing frameworks. So, you know, these are difficult, hazy kind of muddled kind of topics that we're going to talk about today. 
But we need to start working towards measuring them and monitoring them. And, and I think Noel's right, it's in that monitoring. We need to sort of develop new tools. If we think these things are important, then we need to be much more proactive at sort of pulling apart and sort of driving that change through the frameworks we can develop as an industry. Absolutely. And Juliet, what about you? How do you kind of view these things? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think um, that sort of larger investors, particularly institutional investors, do have that power um, to change things. And we've seen with a sort of recent wave of ESG that, um, you know, companies are um, now aware that they need to be accountable to shareholders for more than just the bottom line. Um, the the thirty percent club was introduced in twenty ten uh, when only twelve percent of FTSE one hundred board members were women, um, and now that's getting closer to forty percent. So I think things are changing, um, which 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 is great. Although there are still um, not many CEOs, it has to be said um, within the FTSE one hundred. Um, so I think there's, there's still more work to do there. There's also more work to be done below the kind of board level, right? So adding a few women onto your board, kind of suddenly having your diversity metric look a lot better, you know, being part of the 30% club, that's one thing and, and that's important. But there's a lot more that can happen throughout the organisation that I think really kind of puts that change to be kind of in place and, and really kind of resilient, I guess. Yeah, I really agree with that. We need to really look at their, the whole culture within the company as well. And we can't really do that with it, without companies being more transparent. And the disclosure in that space has really improved over the last couple of years. Um, but hopefully we're going to continue to see more and really understand a little bit better what's going on under the surface. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess from all the different aspects, is it... Um, kind of engaging with the the leadership and kind of looking at metrics or what other ways do you kind of use your various different roles so Noel from a bond perspective how do you guys approach these issues um yeah definitely through engaging and speaking to company understanding management strategies and things like that of course as bondholders our engagement is slightly different um, than you know equity investors in the sense that we don't have voting rights at AGMs so um, perhaps it seems slightly power less powerful to start with but when we look at things at a company level we very much include our bond holdings you know into the engagements um, as well so yeah it's, it's definitely something we do perhaps it's less natural for bondholders to do so than for equity holders I think yes. um, engagement can be a really powerful tool particularly if you approach sort of from the right perspective i.e of long-term working with management and um, one of the things we've done is um, look a lot about corporate culture as Noel sort of brought up the topic of culture and how you know we can see businesses that have very inclusive cultures that are great for kind of driving this gender diversity so we've talked to a whole range of companies from you know video game companies in the US which have quite a lot of press attention on these sorts of topics but also to sort of private equity groups in Europe and we find that if you sort of build that relationship with management, then you can start talking to them about things like how important working parents can be and, and sort of support and, you know, engagement you need to offer to keep that sort of talent in your business. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, culture is a really important point, right? Because that's a hard, it, it's not a metric. It's not something you can kind of say, oh, they have X number of women on their board or they're, they have like a female CEO. And I suppose, how do you get to the bottom of what a culture of a company looks like? What kind of questions would you have to ask to get to there? Well, I think for me, you have to start by working out what you mean by culture, um, because there's, you know, the excellent, you know, um, definitions throughout the industry, throughout kind of academia. Often they talk about things like behaviours or values or things like that. And, and what we've had to do is, is take a step back and sort of say, well, actually, for us, it's about those workplace practices, because that's the one thing as investors we can look at from the outside. So when we talk to companies about um about their culture we focus on those workplace practices and how they can best engage employees and particularly on this topic of of gender you know you can talk to a company like um you could talk to say um i don't partners group is one we've spoken to before about this topic and sort of say well you know you're saying you've got very engaged uh women in your in in your business but how are you how are you monitoring that and you know the best companies will talk about how they track this kind of non um, dominant group engagements and when you see minorities groups more engaged in the business than you know the underlying dominant groups that's a really powerful sign for inclusion more broadly and often for the role of women and you know the um, how women feel satisfied working within that business that's really interesting thanks and Juliet so what about you from a fun picker perspective it's slightly more challenging I presume well yes I, I was going to I was going to say not necessarily from the fun picking side, but from the other side, when, um, you know, speaking to our clients and looking at our clients who have for many years sort of predominantly been sort of older men, um, you know, that is changing a little bit. Um, and women, women live longer. So um, we we are often, um, you know, handholding uh, women through to sort of taking over, you know, after they lose their husbands. Um, uh, and my colleagues inform me that they, that they, make very good investors when they do. Um, but I think we need more education so that, you know, finance and understanding finance is accessible to everyone. I mean, I've, I've explained the basics of investing to friends, you know, more times than I care to remember. Um, and, you know, very, very bright people doing very responsible things, but just not, not in our sphere. Uh, and inevitably they say to me, why wasn't I taught this at school? Um, so I think having more more women in, engaged in the, you know, at, at the lower end of investing, um, doing their ISAs and so forth, it has got to be positive too. I think that school education point is really important, um, like particularly for women. So introducing these concepts early so that we can sort of start to address things like the pension gap and, and all of that kind of misinformation, I guess, between the genders that still exists. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I suppose, that, is that kind of a... I guess, more of a political educational policy change or, I don't know, should asset management firms be doing something to support here? Um, I would say yes, asset management firms should be more active in promoting education at school, universities. I mean, I did study economics and then I did my master's in finance. And yet, even in the first years of my master's, I had no idea what a fund manager was. So how was I supposed to kind of put my career towards that if I didn't know the job existed? And I think, you know, investment banks do a really good job at speaking at university and put themselves, you know, for being the top 
career choice for students, but asset management are a lot more quieter. And they are very different, I think, in, um, in terms of career path. And I think it's a shame that we don't do more. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess as women in the industry, how have you found a career in asset management? Do you think it's a, it's a good fit for a work-life balance? And have you enjoyed it? And yeah, what do you think? Well, for me, it's been fantastic. Um, I think it's a really great place for women. Um, it's the sort of um, environment that really encourages debate, discussion, different perspectives. You know, women can bring something quite differentiated to a team. And um, you know, it's, it's, it's such an interesting career and I wish people knew more about it. Um, I would reflect Noelle and, and sort of say, you know, when, even when I was applying to the industry, I applied to equity sales in investment banking. You know, I didn't I just didn't know what asset management was. And I, I was lucky to meet someone who um, was, you know, pretty high up in the, in the bank I started in. And kind of he said, look, this this is what suits you. And I think you need those sorts of sponsors who can help women kind of navigate because, you know, we just don't see the high profile of asset management across the kind of career hiring sort of um, fairs and forums. Yeah, I think for me, like I did one of my studies in France and the model is quite different. So we do a lot more internships throughout the years. And I think really internships is what really helped me to shape my career. So I wish there could be some more of that because you just get a few months into a job and you can see what you like and dislike about this specific job, but also you come across many other opportunities that perhaps you've never come across before. And I think that would really help um, to diversify the type of profile that we get in terms of CV and when we think about recruiting, because of course, if you don't know about the job, if you don't have a family that has been investing before or that has worked in finance, it's really hard to understand what options you have. And this is for diversity, you know, as a broader topic, not just gender, but also in terms of background. Yeah, absolutely. Julia, any thoughts on this kind of area? Well, um, I've worked in, in this sort of industry for more years than I, I would um, care to admit to. Um, and, it, you know, it has changed considerably. Um, it, it 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 surprises me when I speak to women now that they think how male dominated it is because it, it's so much less so than when I first went into it. I can remember going to conferences overseas and being, I think, pretty much the only uh, female there. And you know, when you explain this to men, just how intimidating that is, I think they sort of suddenly realise that that that's the case. Um, so, you know, it is a very different place now, um, uh, although, you know, and I have been in that position where I've asked a question of a fund manager who has then addressed the answer to Darius. Um, I don't know if that's ever happened to you, Noelle or Stephanie, um, in, in talking to companies. Yeah, I've had it where um, companies haven't wanted to shake my hand, um, you know, all sorts of you know, sit in the corner sort of situations. Um, I remember going to a conference in Japan and there must have been about 4,000 investors there and maybe 20 women. Um, so I, I agree that some changes have happened. So I've been investing for 15 plus years. Um, and I think a lot of the changes have happened at, you know, at the more entry level junior sort of end. So I actually see relatively diverse sets of candidates coming in at that level. For me, the real kind of barriers are keeping those women. So keeping you know, the great talent in the industry as they become more senior, because 
you know, I think the numbers are like 5.7 or something percent of funds are run by females. You know, it's such a low proportion. Um, and it, I, I think it's probably even lower by percentage of AUM. So we need to do more to keep the women in the industry. And we, you know, it's a real kind of issue. And, you know, I think there's lots of different sort of solutions that need to kind of come together to really solve that problem. Yeah, I mean, I, I think childcare issues are key. Um, yeah. I mean, the cost of childcare is eye-watering. Um, and at least in fund management, salaries can generally cover the cost of it. But there's many industries, of course, where that isn't the case. Um, so, you know, going back to what companies can do, I mean, subsidising childcare costs, I think, um, and more flexible working arrangements so that both men and women can work part-time if they wish to after having children. Um, I think this, the, the pandemic has speeded this up with greater working from home. I, I see many more men now doing the, the school and nursery run. Um, and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a, a very understanding boss. <laughs> but I know many talented women who've let, uh, held incredibly responsible positions and just given up working uh, as part-time working wasn't an option. And it's such a shame to, to lose such experience and talent, I think. I think there's something quite sort of biological about it. And, you know, investing differs from other industries. So if you're an actuary, if you're in medicine, if you're a lawyer, you kind of you can pre-qualify before you have children. So you can, you know, work really hard in your 20s and have a qualification, have some time out to have children and then step back in because you've got that qualification. Investing's not like that. There's no sort of PM, you know, diploma. And it's almost exactly at that point at which you might think about having children as a, as a woman in investing that you might be offered a PM position. And if you haven't got a few years of, you know, that PM kind of experience under your belt before you have children, I think it's very difficult. And I think as Juliet said, you know, coming back is just almost, you know, impossible. Um, so there's more we can do to think about that and just talk about it because at the moment it's kind of swept under the carpet. I definitely echo that. And also something that is key uh, for a portfolio manager is to build a track record. And, you know, many clients would look at at least three years of track records uninterrupted but if you stop to go on maternity then it's become you know really hard to build that and as Stephanie was saying that's always in these crucial years that you'd start to be um, working as a portfolio manager so it's yeah it's really hard and I don't know um, how to solve that but um, it means that perhaps it is easier for women to have a co-PM but then it's not the same as you know having the lead fund management of a fund so um, I think it is really tricky and something that the industry should be thinking about uh, a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It, do, you, do you think there's a kind of role for fund pickers there in terms of being slightly more understanding about kind of breaks within track records and things like that? Or is that more at the end client level that you have to be having that kind of proof point? Yeah, I think, I think, we, I think we are um, understanding when we're looking at track records and we, you know we we get to know fund managers um so you know we can we can see them over a longer period of time certainly absolutely and anything else from i guess our industry side that you would kind of like to see to uh, break down more barriers for women i think um kind of picking up on, on that point of being understanding about track records 
you know, as this industry begins to grapple with these ESG sustainability issues, there's more of a focus on how results are achieved. And I think that that is perhaps supportive for women because there's more of a, well, you know, these might be your numbers, but how have you achieved them? What's your process? What else are you thinking about? How long term are you thinking? And I think a lot of these kind of nuances are, are opening up a bit of white space that women are able to kind of step into. And I certainly think that the the gender balance, as, as far as I've kind of seen it in my, my, my connections and my network, seems to be there are more women in this space. And I think that's fantastic. I think it's opened up a channel for women to really succeed. I, I actually looked at our, our selection list of uh, it's sort of approximately 100. And I have to confess, I think I think I could only count about eight female fund managers. So I think we've got quite a lot further to go. Most of them were either ESG or bond, bond in the bond space. So I'm, I'm not quite sure what, what that says. Um. What, do you, what do you think you could do, Juliet, to, to address that? I mean, would, do you want, would you change the kind of criteria for women or how would you kind of consider changing that? I think, I think that's, I think we need, well, I think we need, we need more female role models, as we've said for to make women aware that there is a career in fund management for them um, because there are still so so few female fund managers um, and I think they just need to be a little bit a little bit more visible I mean it's difficult from our point of view our point of view obviously is just that we look at um, performance so from that that point of view it is it, you know um, it is sort of gender neutral. Um, so that's that's what we're looking at and that's what's important to us. Um, and as I say, I think we just do need companies to, to provide more flexibility. Um, I think that would certainly help. Well, on, on that topic of women being more visible, I think that brings up that kind of interesting, I, I guess it was five to 10 years ago when Cheryl Sandberg came out with her Lean In book that sort of said, you know, women have to lean forward at the table and be, you know, aggressive and show themselves and participate. And I, for me, that's the wrong message. I, I think women need to be visible, but in a different way. They don't need to act like men. They need to be visible and talk about childcare, as Juliet brought up, you know, talk about maybe difficult pregnancies, you know, talk about the challenges that, that perhaps are particularly female in some instances. And, and that, that is a different sort of brave. And it's, you know, it's being different from everyone else and it's not fitting the mould and that can be stressful sometimes. But, you know, we do need, I think, I think we do have a responsibility as more senior kind of people in, in this industry to start setting those kind of conversations out there for, for, for girls and women to kind of grow into in the future. Yeah, it's a really interesting point. I suppose it kind of brings into... Um, into the discussion what the role I, it would be of mentors or role models within this space and how important that is towards um, diversity and genders. Noelle, do you think that plays an important role? Have you had a kind of role models in, in your career that you've kind of leaned on? Um, yeah, I think it is very important because again, you just raise awareness about you know, the industry, the type of careers, but also show that it is possible, <laughs> which um, actually I'd never really had many role models 
And I regret it. You know, I would have loved to have someone that tells me, okay, these are your options. This is what you can do. And this is how you're going to do it and walk towards it for the, you know, the next five years. Um, and I definitely think that we need more of that. Um, I'm a mentor currently and I really enjoy it. And I hope that it would help, you know, more women feeling that, yes, there are opportunities and there are great opportunities and super interesting jobs. I, I, I would say I think there's a role for both mentors and sponsors, and I think they do different things. Um, so, you know, mentors can really develop skills and sort of nurture talent, whereas I think sponsors can really create those pathways. And I think women need both. So they need people to speak up for them, find jobs for them, you know, encourage them to apply when they don't feel qualified. Um, and then the mentors can just really help on that talent development front. Um, and you know, I, I think senior women still need to be talking more. Um, if I look at my team, actually, there's three female um, PMs and all three of us have three children. <laughs> and, you know, we're beginning to be just a bit more visible about it. Um, you know, I've got three children, six and under. Um, and I, th I think we just need to have that dialogue and, and talk about it a bit more. Yeah, Juliet, you're you're kind of nodding in agreement there. Sorry, I was nodding because I I also have have three children of six and under. Yes, um, <laughs> so so I, I'm I'm empathising. Um, yes, I think I think this is the thing, isn't it? When in you know in the past when we've been very much in the minority, you don't like to mention the issues of childcare or yeah. the fact that you know you've got sick children at home and they might have to be the priority for some of the time. Um, so, um, I, 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 I definitely agree with, with, with Stephanie that actually, you know, being able to talk about these issues more is, is definitely positive. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, so I guess any kind of final thoughts on what you would like to see from the industry or what more you think the industry could do for, for people in different areas, um, Noelle, do you want to kick us off? Um, I would I mean, we've already covered quite a lot, but I would say men also have a role to play. Um, I think, you know, a couple of years ago, I was attending a social investment conference and there many men made a pledge that they would not go onto a panel if there is no woman representation. So I think, you know, by doing these little changes, that would really help um, having more representation in public speaking, uh, in you know the press and things like that, and um, I think that would really help if we have more men coming on, coming on board to help it. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very strong point, Stephanie. Um, well, I, I think as investors, we can expect more from our companies. So we hear you know management teams talk about the importance of people and culture, and you know we need to challenge that rhetoric and we need to sort of say, well, what are you doing? You know, how are you encouraging and engaging your, 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 you know, your females and your non-dominant um, groups? You know, I think we need to sort of have, be brave, have that conversation. And, you know, we may, you'll see other investors, you know, in, in forums kind of just talk about numbers, just talk about the next quarter, but that's really short term. We need to think, you know, long term about the companies we invest in. Um, and I, so I really think investors need to think more broadly about those things that we can't just put in a spreadsheet, because that's, for me, where the real value lies. And that's a real white space that we all need to kind of step into. Yeah, that's really interesting. Juliet? 
Yes, certainly. Well, I, I agree with uh, both Noel and, and, and Stephanie. Um, and I, I think that they're valid points. Um, and just going back, I think I think education is key. I think that's that's the, the, the main thing for me to to make investing accessible for everyone um, and to to make investing understood and careers in investing understood. Um, for, for, you know, from a young age. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I mean, it, it's clear to see that the industry and investing has kind of evolved, but there's still quite a long way for us all to go to kind of break down the barriers. But thank you guys so much for coming on and discussing everything with us. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Thank you.